This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. All right, welcome back, guys, to yet another edition of Brojo Online. And today is one of our, another one of our special sessions where I've brought on a guest, uh, a guy I absolutely adore, Richard Fu, all the way from where are you at at the moment? How about Singapore right now, man? Originally Sydney, Australia. That's right. You're in Sydney last time we spoke. Man of the world. <laughs> um, yeah, Richard and I have been in contact for a while now, and he's a guy I absolutely respect in the field of, of social development and confidence, and he's coached a lot of people himself. So Richard is an international best-selling author. He's an international speaker. He's a mindset coach, and he's a podcast host. And he helps transform achievers who feel behind in life to become unstoppable to reach that next level, a path that I deeply respect. Uh, welcome, Richard. Welcome. Dan, man, thanks for having me on. And guys, thank you for listening and tuning in for this episode. I'm just, it's just a privilege to be here, especially since we are last chat, man, that just literally skyrocketed my podcast show, man, when we actually had our chats. I'm pumped, bro. <laughs> thank you, man. Thank you. That was the nice guy chat, if I remember correctly, yeah? Talk yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so I brought Richard on today partly because I just love his ideas. We've got no solid plan about what we're going to talk about. I just know that if we have a conversation, you guys are probably going to benefit from that. Um, but in particular, we're going to be focusing on uh, something that Richard dealt with recently, which we've been calling the week from hell, right? Uh, and it's something that so many people relate to because sometimes life just kicks your ass. You know, those circumstances that are outside your control or a situation that you've allowed to develop to breaking point, whatever, it sweeps in and a week from hell is when all of that happens at the same time, right? A number of these things happen. So we're going to have a look at that and we're going to pull apart the various strategies and confidence and mindset related stuff. That happens during a week like that. So that all of you watching who will have weeks like that for the rest of your life, they are going to happen, can perhaps deal with them with a bit more confidence and grace and who knows what, right? Um, so, Richard, why don't we get started, man, and tell us a little bit about this week from hell and the background to it and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, man, with pleasure. And I say this with pleasure because obviously in that week it was not pleasurable. Yeah, and I want to pre-frame this, guys, by letting you guys know that with me sharing this story, it's not for us to compare. It's not for you to go, oh, I had a bad week. But compared to Richard, I think it's actually a good week. It's not like that. It's all about showing you that no matter what goes through in your life, is that there's, a, there's always a way to fight through it. There's always a way to make it through, to, to bounce back from it. And so, Dan, man, I, I know I gave you a little bit of a highlight about it before. This, this actually made it onto the Good Men Project website as well, where we actually got featured for this week. And that's exciting for you guys who are listening because I know you probably know about the website. And so my week from hell, brother, started with, first off, you know, me calling up my wedding. Yeah, I was engaged, right, to someone who I was dating for two and a half years. We lived together for two years. And there was just so much suffering. There was just so much suffering from her end and my, my end that eventually I had to just call it off. And when I did make that decision, it, it happened in a, in a flash where we were actually living together and then she basically said, you know, get out of the apartment. <laughs> and I had 15 minutes then. I had 15 minutes to pack all my stuff, my life, right, my last two years of my life in, in these boxes. And then I actually had no car. I had no car. And, you know, she didn't have family in Australia, so that's why I gave her the apartment to live in. And I had to go back home to my parents. And so I had to call my family and actually face this truth and just tell them, you know, in, like, like anyone who's listening here, if you've gone through a breakup, you know the last thing you really want to do is tell people. Right? Mm -hmm. right, man? You just want to go in a hole and you just want to crawl up and die and then just hopefully no one asks you about it. Yeah, Dan? Yeah, let's, let's start with that one because I know that wasn't the end of your week, but um, it's, it's a huge one. Um, it's something that we, we see a lot, not just with, with romantic relationships, but friendships of all kinds. Something that hasn't been working, but you're so attached to the idea of it could mm -hmm. that you keep going with it um, and you lose that awareness of just how painful you know it's kind of become. And I feel you, man, because I, anybody who's been social for any amount of time has had something like this happen. They've had this 
investment in someone over a long period of time with a growing but slowly growing realization that oh, this isn't actually right. This isn't what we, what, what really set it off for you, man? Like how did you real come to the realization that it had to end? Oh, that's good, man. It's a good question. And it's basically, it happened because we're doing the tip of the iceberg was the wedding planning. Yeah. We just had different expectations that weren't really communicated. And I felt like, I guess it feels like we probably both changed. You know, we probably both changed. And this brings in a, an interesting theory here that I was reading about before and what I share with my clients sometimes. It's about hope versus hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we all want hope. Hope's an amazing thing. Hope will give us the spirit to keep going. There are times where hope is actually destructive for us. Right. And this is what I want to share here with you. And so you're basically like, what? Right. And this is the real thing here, Dan, is what you're saying is sometimes you're in a relationship friends or the love, you know, love of your life, family, whatever, and they're actually destructive for you. And so then we, we hope that they will change. We hope that this could work. We hope that things will change for us so that we can actually be happy. Now, that kind of hope is good, but you have to link it up with what's actually happening in your life because this is the thing. Sometimes we get blinded by the hope, hoping that they will change, hoping that this guy's going to be you know, the, my, my prince in shining armor, hoping that this girl will actually start listening to me and stop trying to control me. Yeah, and this is the thing is that if you see signs that don't validate that hope, because the hope will only exist when there's actually validation there. So when there's action to back it up, so showing that she is changing, showing that he is willing to make a change because he knows it's going to be better for him. Yeah, and so for, for now my situation, I was hoping that she would go back to who she was, which was this open-minded type of person that I fell in love with. But the, the truth was when you looked at it, and this is nothing against her, it's just that she, she kind of like reverted back to, you know, being more closed-minded, being more, more controlling, trying to control everything because at the end of the day, she was being driven by this fear of uncertainty. And that was a problem that I couldn't provide the certainty, even though you know, financially was stable, even though you know I was doing well in many things. For her, it still wasn't enough, right? And so then I was hanging on to this hope, but it was also hurting me. It was hurting me because it wasn't working. And then so when you realize that sometimes you have to face the hopelessness and realize that hopelessness is what's going to let you let go of it. And that's where I saw... At the end of the day, after two and a half years of me trying so hard to keep it together, it's just we can't keep it together anymore because, yeah, it's just, just the love was being held for ransom. Wow. Yeah, that is, man, there's so many people that go through that situation. You know, and, and I think that's a really key point you're making there is always checking in with whatever you're going on. Let's say you're going on hope. The constant checking in, is this helping me or harming me? You know, and I think uh, what came up for me, uh, you, you spoke to validation. I'd use probably the word evidence. You know, is there evidence to maintain my my hope in this hope? You know, my faith in it. Is there evidence that say, yeah, this is actually something I can believe in? Is the evidence supportive of that? And I think what you've really identified is such a core aspect that so many people are affected by. They fall in love with someone, and then they keep that model of the person in their mind and stay in love with that while the actual person changes. Hmm. And you keep, you've got this constant suffering because you can, your brain can see the difference. It's like she could be this, but she's that. When in reality, she's just that now. This is gone. It once existed. Maybe it never existed. That's a really like a tough one that you made it up yourself, that kind of thing. But whether or not it ever existed doesn't matter. When it's when evidence supports the idea that actually she's now fully changed for the consistent long term. This isn't just her having an off week. This is her now. Mm-hmm. I need to reassess how I feel about the the her that's with me now, eh? But it's so hard to do it when you're in the situation, isn't it? It's so hard yeah. to so hard to be aware that it's actually happening. You can see it with other people so easily. Yeah. It always is. It's just hard to see it in yourself, and most of all, it's hard to admit it. Especially yeah. if you're guys, right? All you guys are listening here. It's the freaking hardest thing in the world to admit that. You know, this isn't the, the thing for you because, as you said before, man, it's also the idea of the, the sunk cost, yeah, the, the investment, the time, the money, the energy, the love, the emotions you put into building these relationships. And to walk away from it is the hardest thing because then you ask yourself, you know, well, was that a waste of time? You know, was that, you know, was that not, you know, going to serve me at all? But 
it's a way, it's a bigger waste of time to stay into something that isn't going to help you. Yeah. And, and make you feel hopeless every day. Mm, yeah. So true. And, and that's the thing. I think, you know, they call it sunk cost fallacy. You know, there is no such thing as an actual investment in a relationship. It's just the imagined thing in our mind. It's either you're in a relationship with the person in the moment. That's the only relationship that exists. When mm. it no longer is satisfactory or meets your, your values or anything. Mm. But yeah, um, it's so hard to, to call it off when, you, when you're holding on to the idea she could go back to this other thing that I believe in. And if I give up now, I miss out on that happening. Um, yeah. So kudos to you for actually coming to that awareness because that would have just been so difficult to do. Oh, thank you, man. And I think the other side of the awareness is after you make that decision, you try and be by yourself. You try and deal with it by yourself. The truth is you need to reach out for support. And this is what I realized was there's some people I didn't talk to while I was in a relationship for that long. You know, it's, you know, friends fall away because your focus goes somewhere else. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like I, I broke up with my friends, but I just didn't communicate or go out with them as often. And then when I finally reached out for like my family, when I first reached out with my family, you know, they actually came to me and, and we had on that day then where I actually broke up and had to pack up all my stuff. My brother came, actually my sister came and, and you know, we, we caught a, what I call a family emergency dinner, right? <laughs> where everyone in my family just caught off everything, just came to the house and just, we were just talking about what happened so they could be there for me. And then after that, I reached out to my closest friends and let them know that I don't want them to feel awkward. I don't want them to feel, you know, really like, you know, in that state where it's like, oh shit, I didn't, I shouldn't have asked that. <laughs> now I made Richard feel bad. I didn't want to do that, so I took it on myself to put it out there for them. And then they said, you know, people that I didn't think were really my closest friends, even other people, they would just ask, and I tell them, they were like, you know, whatever you need, Richard, I'm here for you. And this is a big thing for us, for guys especially, because we want to deal with shit by ourselves. Is that when you reach out for support, you get, you receive more support than you ever think you actually have in the world and that is the most beautiful thing you can have is when you realize you've touched many other people's lives and they're willing to be there for you and they're, they're willing to just you know be that shoulder for you and just to help you you know catch you when you're falling now this is something i really want to dig into here because i mean if we're talking about having a bad week mm-hmm. i think the biggest sabotage people do to themselves is to not reach out for support is not access whatever support they have available or you know in some cases like we do you know you pay for support in in some cases mm-hmm. um, there's always something possibly available to you and and what's one of the things i noticed there's a little fallacy i got caught up in when i was working on my own confidence the idea that independent means always by yourself and that there was somehow a failure or a weakness to feel the requirement for support from others of course, I now believe it's actually uh, it's a failure to not use the resources you have available, to not make the most of, of what you can to be as great as possible. And in a situation like this, to not access the support that's waiting for you and people who would actually feel rewarded to help you, it would actually mm-hmm. be a gift to them to get their support. Mm-hmm. Tell me, how were you able to overcome your barriers to, to accessing that support? Ah, such a good question. And I think for me personally, like, like I was saying before, it's just, I just felt that I didn't want to make them feel bad. You know, I didn't want them to have to ask me and then for me to make it awkward. I wanted to be the one that shared it with them first. And on top of that, I think it's the fact that I didn't want to like think about it too much, man. And that's the thing, right? Is that we, we think about, Oh, what would they think about us? What will my friends do? And whatever, whatever. Yeah, don't think too much. Just, just go do it. And I guess when I, when I did that and I just shared and I actually started being who I was instead of like, you know, say for example, I would go to work. Yeah. And then, you know, the day after my boss knew we were having some issues and I would tell him, you know, he's like, are you okay, Richard? And I looked at him and I like, I had two choices. I could either lie and pretend and wear a mask. And I know how that felt because I've done that before. Or I just tell him the truth and I'm like, no, I'm not feeling that good. You know, and that's a real truth here, man. When you want to ask for support, you have to kind of like build this well. Yeah. And it, it, it's the saying of build the well before you're thirsty. Mm-hmm. Yeah? For so long, I just built relationships, not because I knew that one day I'm going to get thirsty. It's just because I, I like building relationships. Yeah. And so then when things like this happen, you can actually lean on them. And so don't go around like, you know, trying to get, get the, get water when you haven't built a well. You know, everything starts with you 
building something so that, you know, later on, and this is what I believe entirely in my life is if I work hard today, I can actually, you know, utilize what I have built tomorrow to make it even better. And so then when I went to talk to my boss, man, I just opened up to him and he connected with me. He shared with his stuff. And then he did this thing, Dan, and this is what the next thing that happened to me was he gave me support. He said to me, he looked at me dead straight and said, Richard, tell me if I'm crossing the line here. I'm like, okay. He's like, you don't want to be an auditor for the rest of your life, do you? Mm. That's what my job was. And I looked at him. I was like, I can't lie anymore. No, I don't. He said, okay. Then all I want you to know is whatever you choose to do, whatever, whoever you choose to work for, I want you to know that I have, you have my full support. Yeah. I will be your referee and whatever you need for you to get that. Cause this is the thing here. And one final thing, Richard, when you do decide to quit here, then never ever feel guilty about it. Never ever feel guilty about it. And that's in my mind, I'm like, Oh my God, I just got permission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To go and do the ultimate man thing full time. And. When that happened, man, that's more support that I did not expect. See, this is what I'm talking about. Is when you open up, you know, you get more support than you ever think you could. And because of that moment, I went home, I talked to my coaches, and they're like, Richard, this is the perfect opportunity for you to quit and go do what you want because, you know, your, your ex-fiance didn't really support you and your business prospects said, look at it now. You don't have to look after anyone. You're back with your parents. Your income is about half of what you're making in your corporate job. So what is holding you back? Yeah, man. And as I looked, thought about it, like before it was, she was the excuse. I would use her as an excuse because she didn't want me to quit my corporate job. She was financially uncertain. You know, she won that certainty consistently and I didn't provide that. And my, my business did not provide that, even though we we're getting half of what we were earning in my six figure job. Yeah. And so then when I realized that moment, though, I, I looked at myself and I said, well, the only thing that's keeping me here is my real fear of me. Mm. Yeah. It was no longer about her. Now she's gone. She's out of the picture. Then what is the truth? What is the truth then? And all I thought about was it's because I'm scared of failing. And then this is the next part. Uh, when I realized I have to go do this, I have to go do this. I can't just go to a job anymore, be in order. I tell someone, you know, Dan, your passwords are weak. You need to make them stronger and pretend I give a shit about that. <laughs> I want to just shoot my face every time I was in a meeting telling someone that this is important when I didn't believe it was important. Yeah. And so I went home and I did this thing, man. I went and asked for more support because obviously, obviously I'm staying with my parents and I told, I went to my dad, I said, dad, this is what's going to happen. This is how I'm looking financially. This is how much we got in the bank. I'm going to let me run, continue for a while. And I really need to give this a shot. And so would you and mum be okay if I lived here for a bit, did whatever, and maybe, you know, you'd support me. Things get really rough, man. Now, my dad being my dad, he doesn't really talk much. So he says, Okay, yeah, we support you and everything that you want to do, but I have one question. And I know when my dad doesn't talk much and he has one question, bro, he's, he's like, oh, shit, this, this yeah. shit's <laughs> And he did this. He looked at me, Dan, and he said, Richard, what happens if your ex-fiance comes back? She says she wants you back and you've got no job. You've not got no money. What are you going to do? And without hesitation, and I looked at him dead set in the eyes and I said, Dad, if... She couldn't accept me for half of who I was back then doing what I did. And now this is me being everything, everything that I'm meant to be. And she can't accept that either. Then there's no point us being together at all. We're not meant to be. Wow. There's so much in there. And you know what? We're starting to see a theme now. Mm-hmm. And I think this actually, this theme applies to a lot of people. You know, if we're talking about this week from hell, mm-hmm. often a week from hell is not a set of circumstances. It's a, stack of realizations happening painful ones isn't it so yes i think one of the main themes coming through here is truth and acceptance you've used the word truth a number of times now and and as the truth about your relationship the truth about how you feel about your job and sort of one truth triggering another isn't it you come to one realization and with that question fresh at your mind you start looking at everything else what do i really want and it starts and this is i think one of the key takeaways immediately that I want people to to jot down who are watching this is the idea that when you start questioning things, you're going to feel fear, but keep questioning in that moment because, yeah, it's going to fucking hurt those answers and those situations. You're just going to be like, the number of times I've been like, oh, my life is a lie, you know, this kind of 
collapse of everything. But nothing can be built unless it's all it's all bought down first. You know, the real thing that you want to build, there's only one foundation spot. You know, if you've got a career, you can't have another career until the first one's gotten rid of and there's spots available. If you've got a relationship, you can't have another one until the first one's removed, you know. That space is created, but it's so painful to create that space. But it, it's that, uh, that yeah, that awareness. It's so – fear is like the enemy of awareness, isn't it? I mean, fear yeah. just goes, no, nah, we'll be fine. Go for that thing. That thing feels good. You'll be fine. We'll talk about it later. It's got that kind of delay strategy to it. Um, and it sounds like all in one week you just stop delaying. And the idea of you being truthful as a way to gain support, that you've been truthful in the past to build up that potential well of support. I really like that idea. I had a client tonight. We were talking about uh, managing anxiety. Something comes up quite a lot with mm-hmm. coaching, and we're talking about the techniques to manage it. And I said, you know, the best thing is you've got to practice this when you don't need to practice it. You practice it in situations where you're not feeling massive anxiety, situations where you're fine. So that when the situation comes, you don't need to learn how to do something in that situation. You just apply what you already know. And I think it's the same in this. You know, it's in the fair weather times and times where things are going good that you put, you know, you don't get comfortable and complacent. You go and build the things you're going to need for when the shit hits, right? Which yeah, is, yeah. You know, and you've, you've kind of reaped the benefits of, of living that way, it sounds like. Hmm, exactly, dude. And it's, it's not like intentional. It's probably subconscious. For me to actually just do that and the thing that scares most people and even myself was to actually go out and ask right, to actually reap it right take it out from the soil of what you've just planted and you know but when you do that it's totally different so then dude like two days like literally two days after i broke up yeah and uh, having that talk with my dad getting that serious talk sorted then i went to my job and i quit right? i put in my resignation my boss looked at me and then when I told him what I was doing, he said to me this, Dan, he said, Richard, if I knew what you were doing and you were still working here, I'd be really disappointed in you. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, all right, awesome. And he said, I don't know about your mom, I don't know your dad, but I know myself as a parent. I want to tell, tell you this. I know that your parents will be really proud of you because you're going after what you want and that's the best thing in the world. I'm like, well, he's not ready for that. And he said, I know a lot of people would think that this is a reactionary thing that you're just, you're just out of control. You don't want to be here, but I know this has been part of the plan, hasn't it? And I said, yes, it's always been part of the plan. And said, Good. So that means, you know, I know that this is not a emotional decision. It's been something that, you know, you've always had there. And, you know, it doesn't matter to me. When I tell people like this is what happened in my week, they're like, oh, shit. You know, you're a bit crazy. But it doesn't matter to me, right? Because I know deep down I've worked it all out. I've planned it all out. And it's always meant to be like this. It just, like you said, the truth triggers up all these other truths. And then this week from hell is not a week from hell. It's a week of action. Mm. It's a whole week of action where, you know, now I actually step into being, accepting more of who I am. Now I learning to actually follow what it is, what I want to do. And then like literally dude, three days later, I had to make this big call. I had to fire my first employee ever in my business. And even worse is my employee is a virtual assistant who lives in the Philippines. I've never met in person and I got fire her over Skype. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. And so like all these three life-changing events had happened, but like you're saying before, it's, it's like we need to create that space. And this is what happened to me. I created so much space in my life now that now we were chatting before, man, there's this huge transitionary period happening as well because some other new foundations are coming in because we have this space that's available for us. And so we create that space. Sometimes you have to let go of good things so that the greatness can come into your life. And that's a huge learning for me is to continue to follow that through. Mm, that uh, reminds me, there's a quote for our work week, Tim Ferriss. Mm-hmm. There's a quote and there's, um, I think it's for big good things to happen, little bad things need to happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes actually big shitty things need to happen to create a space. I think of it like the concept of a forest fire. Yeah. Forest fires are actually, who knows why the, the world works the way it does, but forest fires are a very healthy event for the forest. Mm-hmm. Everything burns out and then the, the space for the new growth to come through and it comes through bigger and better and stronger kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can imagine 
just the sheer destruction of that forest fire. It's the ending the relationship, you know, it's mm-hmm. quitting the job. It's this destruction with no guarantees. Mm-hmm. I think this is a key thing. So many people will drag a bad week into, or a week from hell, we'll say, like, try not to use the word bad anymore. Um, a week from hell, they'll turn into a year from hell because they're trying to put the fires out rather than just letting everything burn, you know, just let it all go to zero again. Mm-hmm. Understanding that you're not going backwards. There's no such thing as going backwards. You can't go backwards. You always learn from everything that's ever happened. So you're always starting at a new height. Mm-hmm. You start fresh. Mm-hmm. You're starting better than you were before. Always. It's not possible to start worse than you were. You know. Um, so there's, I think um, there's sort of three things I wrote down as uh, kind of things coming through that sound like went really well for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one is support, access support. Yep. I think that seems to be a really key factor in this. And support in your case was your parents, your friends. There was that emotional support. Then there was the kind of more survival type roof over your head support. There's mm-hmm. the support of your boss, that kind of encouragement. He sounds like a awesome dude by the way <laughs> like <laughs> yeah let me jump in here dude and this is what's even more harder is like when you have a such a fantastic boss like that mm-hmm. can you imagine how much more harder uh, how much more questioning you have to go through right when someone like that fully supports you and he was like probably the best boss i've ever had and i told him that and you know that's why i said this decision is not easy for me either because i could have a chance to have a really good boss that's going to help me grow my own career as well at the same time i mean like you know, things aren't certain with my boss, right? Because it, it's not, it's out of his control whether the company keeps him or not. Mm. And so for me, it's just like, you know, I, I really like literally then, and I was like shaking yeah, before I'm like, Hey, you know, have you got time to talk? And I was just like shaking. I was like, Oh my God, this is, this, what am I doing? And you know, but just to have his support there, because I did not know whether he would support me or not, but I was like, you know what? I just have to do the right thing by me and this is it. Yeah, I'm tired of living a lie and literally Dan, I've been working in a job for like eight years that I did not like. Right? It's because I'm building this side hustle for like half of the time, four years, at least four of those years with me building this side hustle. And so that's why it, you know, it may sound like a shock to the people here, but remember, and this is what I want the guys on here to remember is that I didn't quit this out of rage. It's because I've been building something on the side. It's, you know, you, this is the safest way to do it if you're in a corporate job. Because we all have responsibilities. So, you know, if you build a side hustle and get it to a point where you can get 50% of your income from it, then it's, it's perfectly safe to do it. Yep, that is, a, that is a really key lesson. There's a lot of guys who will be uh, watching this who are considering entrepreneurship or dabbling in it. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the main one is, is pushing out from the shore is that, okay, I'm leaving the other thing behind. I remember it was, happened in March of 2014 I mean, god how long have i been doing this shit uh, well i transitioned to full-time and at this point i like i can't do both anymore one mm. has to be decided on um and my coach at the time said he goes are you 100 percent ready and i said no i'm about 80 percent he's oh that's plenty 80 that's heaps go for it you don't need 100 80s i'd go at 50 you know um so actually that raises another key point that's coming up here is often a week from hell or a week of realizations comes from the, the understanding that feeling good in terms of comfortable is not the same as excellence and you can't have both. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me one of the big things that you've done here is you've decided to choose the potential for excellent over safe and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And you had yeah. to make that decision. You had to end things. You had to actually choose to do very uncomfortable things like handing in the resignation. I remember when I quit, just how sick I felt doing it, you know, mm-hmm. like breaking someone's heart, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have to actually, in a sense, allow others to sometimes feel hurt or have their lives upset for you to, to create that space for being excellent because mm-hmm. you can't be safe and comfortable and excellent. You have yeah. to choose between the two, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. And that's a really great point you bring up is that, you know, I have to choose excellence. Right? I just have to choose it. And the question is, you know, most guys probably listening, like, why do you have to choose it? It's because, you know, you don't, not everyone has to have an excellent life. Yeah. And excellent is determined, predetermined by how you rate what is excellent. I mean, like, you know, sometimes I look at, 
know, some of the people I know, and they just, they're cool with going to work and then going home, playing games, watching Netflix and whatever. I'm, I'm like, man, that's a simple life. I wish I'd had that sometimes, you know? I'm sure you have that too, Dan, where you're like, man, my life is difficult and challenging. And then I just look at that and like, oh, I, I just, why can't I just be like that? Why can't I just be simple? Yeah. And for me, I'm not, I'm not simple. I'm not a simple guy. And that's why, you know, I know that, you know, it was interesting because I got to a point where I felt like I was settling and, you know, but at the same time that settling felt like I was in an excellent zone. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, just hit a point in my life where I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Like, you know, I don't feel a hundred percent in this. I don't feel like you know, there's a little bit of doubt here. And it's not the typical normal doubt of like, you know, your mind is trying to play games with you, but it's like the niggling doubt that just sits there and sits there and just eats at you. And, and, you know, I thought about it like in that moment, but just before I, I, I caught off the, you know, the, the relationship, I'm like, what would my life look like if we were like in another 40 years? You know, would I be caged up? Like, would I be like a caged up tiger that can't do what he wants to do because, you know, just because my, my wife doesn't approve of it or she's scared of it? You know, and I thought about it, like, I can't, I can't live like that anymore. I don't want to be the one that, you know, keeps her all stressed up. With you know being financially uncertain with a job though or business that I'm trying to run, and so I thought that you know it's just not fair for me, it's not fair for her. You know, and so when you take that step and just accept that that you know it's not me being selfish, it's just me trying to just give everyone the right thing that they need. And so for her, it's just to go find that person that will give her what she needs. And and the biggest thing is this, Dan. And I think a lot of people when they realize that they have to accept excellence and they will have to have excellence is that we need to also remember that we have to let, we've given everything for good, right? When I say we've given everything for good, we've tried everything, we've pushed everything, we've worked as hard as we can and we push and push and push. And, you know, this is the same with my relationships. Like I could only walk away after I know that I've tried everything that I can to make it happen. That's, that's a burden as well because sometimes I might stay in it longer than I should. But, it's only in that moment that I can actually walk away and say, you know, Dan, I did everything, man. I did everything. And it's not just me who knows it. Like, she knows it too. She knows it too. And that's okay. And then that's why I can, you can actually move through and, and, and rebuild a lot quicker. Cause then, you know, there's no doubt, you know, oh, I should have done that. I should have done this. And, you know, yes, I could have improved. Yes, I could have done things better, but that doesn't matter anymore because this is what I believe, Dan, is that in every moment that we're living, we, with all the information that we have, with all the processing power we do have, we still try and make the best decision we can. And, you know, it sucks that sometimes maybe we don't have all the information. You know, we don't have all the skills, but we still try our absolute best and that's all we can ask for in that time and nothing can change and nothing should change because and you're doing your best every moment, even if your best is 60% for today. Yeah. Every day, the best is not always to go out and break that personal best. You know, Usain Bolt doesn't go and run on the track and always try and break a world record. He does try, but if he doesn't, he doesn't like hate himself for it. I think that's the problem here is that I used to hate myself because I'm not, you know, breaking world records every day for myself. But then when I realized just today is okay to have an off day or, you know, it's okay to have an off week, whatever, it's normal. You know, it's about how we come back to it and you know, tweak ourselves. Yeah, this is massive. I mean, I've got overachiever syndrome to the to the nth degree but um what really stands out for me i'm i'm right now i'm in a relationship with a girl who met me during like financial uncertainty during me doing my thing and doing like sacrificing all comforts in order to be the guy i want to be and that's what i love about the relationship i'm in now she's met me and accepted me as that i'm not going to get any worse than this do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> He's okay with that. Things are only going to go up from here as, you know, eventually the the foundation is built upon strong. Um, but I think with the key here that with that investment, that sunk cost thing is understanding hey, that difference between trying your best and actually realizing, you know what? I've been me. I've been as real as I can be with this person and they still don't accept it. They're not going to accept anything more. The only way they'll accept me is if I start being fake and losing integrity. And when you come to that realization, this is why I recommend journaling for people. Like it's so important to constantly look at what you're doing. You think you're looking, but you're not really looking. Most people aren't really realizing, especially in a relationship that they have that investment in. 
They don't want to look at the truth when st things start going wrong. The brain will actually subconsciously divert you away from looking. It'll tell you, oh, just try this, just try that. It throws actions at you rather than going, okay, it's time to reflect and be honest with yourself about how you feel with what's going on in this relationship. Because if it knows that you're going to come up with a like an answer that puts the investment at risk, just yeah. doesn't even want to acknowledge that. You know, it doesn't want to go there. So I force myself to journal almost every day in order to catch those things early. Mm -hmm. I've, I've had a couple of um, connections with people that I've ended recently because of journaling. I'm like, fuck, I'm writing the same thing about this person every day, and it's negative. And yeah. now it's been four weeks. And this is not a temporary thing anymore, you know. But mm. before journaling, man, I'd invest in, I, God, I'd invest in people for so long, not so much uh, romantic relationships simply because I was unable to form them, but friendships and, and, and career stuff. Put my heart and soul into this thing for years and years and years and go, fuck, it still doesn't accept me. It still doesn't support me and satisfy my values. Why am I still here? That's a hard question to answer. Um, so what I'd like to, you know, one of the main things here is mindset. I think one of the key differences between someone who gets, like you, who builds from a week like that, grows from a week like that, versus somebody else who is crushed by a week like that. It goes into a deep depressive state or becomes like hypersensitive and reactive and gets stress related burnout. I've had burnout twice now. It's fucking awful. Um, what was different, do you think, in your mind, say, between you and somebody who gets crushed or you and an old you that would have got crushed? You know, what was different? Mm, it's a really good question. Man. And I want to like let the people know this, man, is that I, it's not that I didn't feel crushed. At moments in that week, even afterwards, I felt crap, but horrible. I felt like really depressed. Mm. And that's okay. This is the thing that I realized through going through a workshop with, you know, Alexi Panos and Kristen Smiles, right? These guys, guys. guys. Yeah. Yeah. And they're beautiful. And they, they helped me realize this is that when you feel bad, it's okay to feel bad. Mm. You know, it's okay to feel depressed. It's okay to feel alone. It's okay to feel like you hate yourself. Let it, let it just flow through you because you know we take we take in water man it goes out, goes in goes out we piss it out we eat food we shit it out but we take in feelings and we suppress them hold it down right and they said what if we just let it go and just let it finish its cycle and that's the thing here was that when i felt crushed when i felt lonely when i felt like you know there was nothing else in this world for me i felt like i i just let it roll and sometimes i let it roll for a day man yeah, I let it roll for a day. And it's like a Saturday night. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, I'm at home here and like, you know, out in the woods here with my family. It just kind of blows. Yeah? And so I want to preframe that with so that guys here don't think I'm just like a beast mode and just like fucking duh, right? Just rush through that shit. It's going to go up and down and that's part of it. And to get back to your question of, you know, what made it different this time was I spent like seven years, eight years, developing myself personally and and i think what made the difference this time compared to another time when i broke up with my first love of my life is that i actually reached out for support you know i didn't crawl up into a hole and and, and just turn off the lights i actually reached out for support so i had coaches i had you know my family my friends and most of all i i had belief in myself that i could come back and that's the biggest support you can have is that, you know, you have to have belief that you can handle whatever happens. And this is what I always knew that whatever happens here, it's fine. I, I mean, look, if she, you know, we broke up, that's fine. Cause I know that I'm like the fucking best boyfriend in the world. You know, nothing against you, Dan, but I'm like fucking the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? and, and it's just like, I truly believe that. I truly believe whoever I'm with, they just fucking know that they have the best. Yeah. And it's not like I'm being arrogant. I think it's just like true belief in myself. And, you know, with the work side of things, I'm like, look, what is the worst that's going to happen? I, I go back into a job that that audit job a year, two years later, gives a shit. You know, then it doesn't matter. I mean, I, and my dad goes, "Why does it? It doesn't work." And I said, "Well, what, 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 what's the worst thing that could happen? That I go do this, I don't succeed, and then another startup or someone else who's doing something else that I love may ask me to come on board with my experience." Now, you know, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how, how that's going to turn out, but who cares? You know, if it, if it means I don't run my own business, I have to run work with someone else, building something that I actually love to build, then that's okay with me too. 
better than where I was. You know, I might not wear a suit and all of that and, and be in business attire, but who cares? So for me, that's the things that were different was that this time now, Dan, I have full belief in myself that, you know, maybe at this time I'm not, I'm not going to know how to do it. Maybe at this time I don't know how it's going to make, I'm going to make it, but I just fully just believe that we'll find a way because I always find a way. And that's true. Now, this is a really key point for everybody because it doesn't matter what stage of development someone's at, they have survived everything so far. If they're alive. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. It's this truth that's right in front of all of us all the time. Um, Because I was thinking there's, you know, in the past on the same, I relied on the predictability of the future to feel secure. Mm -hmm. And now I just rely on myself to feel secure. Like I... It used to be I need to go into a known situation. Now I just trust me to get through an unknown situation. Yes. Yes. And that's what I really think confidence is all about, is not knowing that you're going to be able to handle it, is knowing that you're going to be able to handle not handling it. You're going to be able to handle getting through however it goes. You'll, you'll get through it just like you got through every other fucking thing that's ever happened to you, ever. You know, mm-hmm. still alive, that means you've survived everything to date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah. many people think like I'm not good enough. They have the I'm not good enough story going in their mind. They think I can't handle this. I can't handle that. And if the evidence is clearly in front of them, they have handled everything so far. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason for them being alive today, you know? Um, so I really like, you know, like I mentioned, I keep hearing this theme of acceptance coming through, um, through from accepting support to accepting the truth about the situation and then mm-hmm. kind of accepting that you can't predict the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just going well i'll go ahead anyway i don't need yeah. a prediction in order to move forward that prediction is what just a thought there's no no real assistance from that thought other than to give you a direction to go in mm-hmm. but um i really like that you know that worst case scenario thing i remember that used to be such a drag for me like yeah. but i never actually thought what the worst case scenario was it was just a vague doubt and fear in my mind and then one of the coaches I had, he's like, well, what is the worst case situation? Write it down in detail. And mm-hmm. I wrote it down, I was about starting my business. Oh, I was about doing the leap to full time. It was that same thing. Yeah. And um, I wrote down like the very worst case scenario. And this was actually beyond the limits of reasonability because I know my parents would take me in and support me, right? But I wrote down like I'd be out of work completely and I'd have to go get on welfare I'd get kicked out of my house and I'd have to go live in a well-fear-supported house and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, yeah, I could survive all that. At least I'll know I had a crack at it, you know? And I've built myself to a situation where I can get jobs and stuff like that. I'm not going to die from this experience. So why not? You know, worst-case scenario is I'll be uncomfortable for a bit. That's it. I've handled that before, right? Um so that's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting to hear you talk about that shift. You know, the shift isn't like I'm now a beast who doesn't get affected. Mm-hmm. The shift is actually I accept being affected now and mm-hmm. I use how I'm affected to decide on things. Like if I'm feeling down, then that's a trigger to ask for support. Not mm-hmm. like a, that's a thing I beat myself up on for having. Mm-hmm. That's huge. I mean, I the client I had today, we're looking at, at her having anxious reactions to aggression. Yeah. And um, the problem wasn't the anxiety. That's just an increase in heart rate and racing thoughts and things like that. She can handle all that. It was mm-hmm. 10 times more pressure she put on herself for feeling that way. You know, she blew the thing up like, I shouldn't feel this way. Mm-hmm. Whereas if she just took that bit out and it was just left with anxiety by itself, it's quite a manageable condition. You know? Mm-hmm. Um. So we're seeing supporting, getting the access, facing the truth, that acceptance, not predicting the future, understanding that feeling good and comfortable is not the same as being excellent, and you have to choose between the two. You cannot have both. That's mm. incredible. Um, and it sounds to me like one of the key things here is that you reacted to these issues by taking actions. Mm-hmm. And it sounds simplistic, but so many people don't do this. Mm. Or, because I think there's a big difference between what you might call taking an action and reacting. Mm-hmm. You sound like you were taking actions. You went and sort of planned what's the best step forward and you kind of took your actions. Whereas reacting would be like panically, you know, panically, is mm-hmm. it? <laughs> Protecting yourself, like trying to fix, patch up things. You know, 
what are your thoughts around this idea of kind of taking action in response to these these upsets? Yeah, man, that's a, it's awesome, man. I love that you brought it, you even used the word. It's, it's like choosing to respond. When you react, it's just like, I feel this, I got to do this. Yeah, but when you respond, and that's why you let the, the, the feeling flow through. So that's why you know, your first reaction, you're going to feel something, right? It's like someone says, you're ugly, Dan. You know, then your first reaction will be like, fuck you, right? But then you just let that through, you ride that through, and you go, you know, okay, maybe I don't feel so good. Okay, what does this mean? Let that go through. And then you, you look at the story and then you actually re- recognize that, okay, this isn't going to help me. Right? Me going, if you were Richard because you called me ugly, isn't going to make the situation better. So what is it that I want at the end of this? Do I give a shit about what Richard says? Or you know, maybe he's a good friend and maybe I need to go and tell him that I don't appreciate that. Or maybe if it's, if it's a dude I don't care, then what's the point of me thinking so much about this? And it's about choosing to respond. And for me, it was always to choose to respond in a way and it's not easy. It's not an easy task. Yeah. It's never an easy task to choose to respond. And so for me, I always chose to respond. And this is what I, I believe is that I look at it. And now this has become what we call, you know, in coaching the speaking industry, like your defining moment story. This is the moment where, you know, my life changed for real. Yeah. For real then. This is my life you know, being written right now. And that's the exciting part. And I chose to say, this is going to be exciting. It feels like ass, it sucks, you know, but this is a chance for me to write the story that I want to write it. And, you know, there's going to be parts in it that I don't want to have in there, you know, but this is a chance for me to go do that. And so you know, I decided to respond in that way. And, you know, when I started responding in that way, when I started facing and entering the uncertainty, this is something awesome that Tony Robbins, you know, shares is that, the, the quality of your life is directly proportional to how much uncertainty you're willing to face and accept in your life. Mm. Right? And I thought about that and you know, the moment this week ended and I was in total uncertainty. Yeah, total uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen with my business. I don't know what's going to happen with my career. I don't know what's going to happen with my, my love life. I don't know what's going to happen with all my friends after they realize, holy shit, Richard's not a career person anymore. You know, this, all this uncertainty happened. And then at the same time, I sat there and I was like, wow, I've, I've never been more happier. Yeah. And sometimes, of course, there's uncertainty in other areas that we don't make us happy, but experiencing that uncertainty was really, and just owning that, it really does proportionally relate to how much happiness you have in your life. By, and that's what you're saying before is confidence isn't about knowing how you're going to do something, just knowing how you might not know how to do something and just being able to walk through that and be okay with that. Yeah, there's, um, there's a little thing with certainty is it comes with the price of restriction, doesn't it? With certainty, you have limits. With uncertainty, complete freedom. Mm. You can do whatever you want with uncertainty. With certainty, you have to follow the rules, you know, and sometimes one's helpful, sometimes it's not, you know, helpful versus harmful again. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, we've, this week, you know, we can see just so many of the core pillar aspects of confidence coming through. Confidence isn't pretending that, that you're unaffected. Confidence isn't knowing what you're going to do. Confidence is just kind of like you said, you just, whatever you are, you accept what that is and you use that to make truthful based decisions. You know, what is the best decision looking at the truth of this one, the ugly truth that sometimes we have to face. It's only mm. ugly because we just left it so long to face it. You know? And then once you face, once you're through, after you face the truth and make a decision, it's kind of like, well, of course, it's the best thing for me. Of course, that relationship needed to end. Of course, I need to leave that job. What was I doing there? But you had to face pain to come to that realization. You had to choose the pain first without any food. You know? um, that's what I think. That's what I, um, you know, really respect about you, even from our, from our first call. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's great role modeling, you know, for, for guys watching this. And what I appreciate is what I want the guys watching this to observe with you, just to put you on the spot a bit, hmm. you know, you come across as so confident and at the same time you're talking about having uncertainty, being depressed or whatever. And it just goes to show you that those things are not counter to confidence. You can have all those things and be a confident guy. The only hmm. thing you know, the only thing that's really counter to confidence would be to pretend, to pretend you're okay when you're not, to pretend that you're certain when you're uncertain. A confident person doesn't pretend. They just express and go, hey, this is it. 
And I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap things up there because I think, you know, we've really, I really appreciate you sharing the story, man. And, uh, this is what I wanted with these online sessions when I bring in a guest like yourself is the truth behind the story. You know, the kind of, this is what it actually looks like that there's this uncertainty and fear and a shitty week and you go live with your parents and, you know, that's the truth. I mean, I borrowed so much money from my parents to get my business going. Do you know what I mean? Like there isn't some magic fucking advantage that people doing the life they want to do have. They pull the resources from wherever the fuck they can get them. They get themselves into, you know, uh, relationships that support them. It isn't this wonderful, like superhuman effort by a single individual. They understand. Hmm you use the support available to you and you provide that support in return and it's just a balanced thing. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, man. Yeah. So look, 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 man, I really, I really appreciate you coming, sharing and, and being so shameless. You know how much I love that sort of shit. Um, are there any final thoughts or anything you want to leave us with today? Man, I mean, like guys, like I said, at the start of this call, it's to just be real with yourself. There's no comparison because as Brene Brown says, you know, the comparison is just a thief of happiness. When you start comparing yourself to other people and how they're likely or whether it's better or worse, it just makes you unhappy. And so for you guys, it's just to realize that it's okay to go through what you're going through. If you're having a rough week, if you're having a rough day, if you're having a rough month or two, whatever it is, you know, just embrace it and start seeing what's out there and what's possible. And of course, guys, I mean, if you want more, you can always head on over to my website which is just richardfoodphu.com. And, you know, there's more videos and more blogs all about this stuff. And, you know, of course, feel free to contact me as well through Dan or even through, you know, Sean Russell and all the other guys at Improvement. You know, happy to share and just be with you guys and help you guys through whatever it is that you're going through. Awesome, man. I really appreciate that. I'll include some links in the video um, for your website and stuff like that if people want to check that out. Um once again, man, look, I really appreciate that. I knew I'd enjoy this call, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think you really just nailed some of the things that I believe in deeply in terms of what it means to be confident, what it means to, to get through the reality of life, which is that sometimes it kicks your ass and sometimes it hurts. And that's actually a very healthy part of it, you know, yeah. uh, and how you deal with it can either be healthy or unhealthy as well. So yeah. that was a, uh, that was really, I really appreciate that, man. And, uh, I definitely look forward to talking to you once again in the near future. Yeah, man. And thank you, Dan, man, and for what you do with the Broja, with the Improvement Academy. You guys are helping a lot of guys out there and just keep going through it, man. Just keep going through it because more men need to know about this stuff. So I honor you, man, for what you do and just how you help people. Bro. Thank you, bro. Feeling the mutual respect. Mm-hmm.